0: Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. I got this verse because I got something really stirring on my heart, this whole reality thing that like, um, how many of you like love Jesus? Yeah. So like, that's pretty much worked out for perfection in your life, right? Everything's gone smooth since? right everybody giggles nobody's hand is up yeah me either what was that was that you dude god what do you want to say well we're listening that's right it's like samuel it's like here i am lord i'm listening anyway okay so i got this uh psalm 91 just really is this cool thing and i i there's this kind of like struggle between our lives like, okay, so God promises some things, right? God's made promises and sometimes we look at life and go like I don't know if I see that working out that way but we're going to get somewhere with that because his promises are always true and he's never failed they just don't always come through the way we expect. Is that fair enough to say? Okay, so here's Psalm 91, just the first few verses it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High speaking of God, okay, People who dwell in the shelter of God will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save me, save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Anybody know what pestilence means? Disease. A sick disease that would kill you. Deadly disease. Awesome. The Bible's so raw. Anyway, okay. And then it says, he will cover you with his feathers. Okay, and some of this is like symbolic stuff. And under the wing, under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Anybody know what a rampart is? Do you? What's a rampart? Okay. It's basically an insanely solid stone structure or concrete structure, we would know them as bunkers. Like in military stuff, those like little concrete domes that have like portholes out the side to shoot out of, we would know them as bunkers, right? Concrete bunkers. So in these days, it was like dirt kind of pushed up in a circle and then they would lay a huge slab of stone over the top of it and have little spots to get out. But it was like a really safe, secure place, okay? Just so we get the language here, right, okay? Um, oh, where'd it go? Okay. You will not fear the terror of the night. Anybody have nightmares? Yeah? Uh, Seriously, check this out. This is a promise from God, so like claim it and put it in your heart and say, that's mine, okay? You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence, it says it again, the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, But it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. That's like intense, right? Whoa, that's like some Old Testament jam stuff, right? It's kind of like, but here's the promise, right? Is that God, God is promising here, and David is depicting the promise of God that says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High God who dwells, not like visits, but he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High God will be guarded and protected is like the summary of that whole thing. There's a guard that's over your life, that's over your circumstances, that's over the whole thing. Well, I can imagine a bunch of you in this room are saying like, I've been dwelling for a long time and I don't always feel very protected because crap still happens, right? Right? And this so I and I get that, because yeah, I've like my whole life grown up in church. Like I'm a church boy, and like why does crap still happen to me? Like still bad stuff. My truck will break down or something dumb like that, or worse things happen, family members get sick and die, and you're just kinda like, I thought I was covered, right? Anybody ever have these conversations with God? No, not you guys. You're like, No, God's I, I always get it. Do you all understand everything? And we should just go home. No, really. No. I don't get it all yet. So, but here's the deal. And this is a really good depiction and story that kind of lays out how this looks and what this works out, okay? You've heard of a guy named Paul? Yeah, we talk about him quite a lot. He wrote like uh, about half of the New Testament, right? And he's got his name all over this whole thing. But we know his backstory, right? He was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was one of the religious leaders of the Jewish thing. And he grew up his whole life and was like the best of the best of the best of the religious leaders of the Jews, okay? And he was, like, known for it, and he was, like, commissioned by the Jewish leaders, okay, to go out and find all Christians that believed in Jesus, right? Because Jesus had come and gone, and the church had started growing, and lots of people were going, I believe in Jesus, and the Jews were like, no, we're losing control of the religion. Like, really, they were in panic mode, because all these Jews were going... That Jesus guy did something wild, and we are so in and believe in who he is. He was the Son of God, the Messiah we've been believing for for generations, okay? So this all happens. Saul gets the job assigned to him to go find these Christians, shut them up, put them in jail, and if necessary, kill them. That was his job. Essentially, the head of ISIS, if that puts it in context for you, okay? Like that's their, kind of their job is kind of like we're getting rid of the infidels. We're killing, imprisoning getting rid of Christians. That's their M.O. right now. Got it? So this was Saul. God meets him on the road to Damascus, you know, because he was on his way to a new city to destroy more Christians. And God meets him, big bright light, blinds him, right, and speaks to him. Big bright light, and all his all the com- companions with him saw the bright light. They all hit their faces on the ground because they're like, what's going on, right? Because the sun is bright, but this was brighter, enough to, in the middle of the day, knock them all on the ground and like, And Paul goes blind. Okay, scales grow over his eyes from the brightness of the light. That's pretty intense, right? And Paul's like, what is going on, right? And Jesus speaks to him, audible voice speaks, because all the guys with him heard it. And he says, Paul, why do you persecute me? Or why are you after my people? And Paul goes, who are you? And he goes, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. Go to this dude's house. He's going to have a little prayer time with you. And you'll know what to do from there, but I am commissioning you to go to the Gentiles who were everybody who wasn't a Jew is considered a Gentile. And Paul was sent to bring the truth of Jesus Christ. So God goes and takes the head of ISIS and says, you. Okay? So he's not into church boys and girls, but he is. Does that make sense? He's not just stuck on, like, I'm only going to use the nice ones. God's really into, like, I'm going to take the crazy ones and really show myself off. That I can redeem anything. Does that make sense? If you're a really good kid, don't get disheartened like, oh, man, I'm going to go be a rebel so God will use me. No. Okay? There's a difference here in this realm because, again, dwell in the shadow of the Most High, and you've got this covering, this protection. Okay? You decide to dwell outside the covering of God, all bets are off. I'm serious. I don't want to scare you, but here's the deal. Okay? So here's Paul, right? After this whole thing, he changes his name to Paul because Saul was kind of a bad name in the Christian world. Right? They were all like, aren't you that guy? He goes, no, I'm Paul. Saul, I don't know. that." Like, can you imagine what that looked like as he starts hanging out with the Christians and they're like, yeah, sure. You know, if like, I don't know what the guy's names are in ISIS now. If they like walked in the room, be like, hey, guys, can I pray with you? Be like, oh, can I see if you have a vest on or something first? Like, you'd be freaked out, right? No, This is real life, people, okay? So here's the deal. This guy, Paul, over some time, it takes him a while to kind of like get people to start going like, oh, this guy is legit. He's for real. But Christ really, truly transformed his life. And guess what? It was perfect smooth sailing from there, right? Negative, okay? This is the man God chose to bring the gospel to the whole known world. And Man, if I had the whole list of all the crap he went through, the number of times he was imprisoned, I think at least six or seven, thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. He was beaten, flogged. They tried to kill him a number of times. They, he was shipwrecked, this whole thing. And that's where I want to camp was this reality. He got arrested once because he was healing people on the Sabbath day, and they weren't allowed to do that because on the Sabbath day you're not allowed to work. And Paul was out healing people, and they considered that way too much effort. So they got all mad at him, and they're like, we're going to haul him off. We're going to put him in jail and arrest him and put him on trial. And he goes, okay, you know, like, and he goes through the trial, but they really don't have anything to peg him for because really all he did was good. Do you get this? So then they're like, well, we're just going to throw you in jail. And he goes, well, I appeal to Caesar, which was a big deal. He was like, I want to talk to Caesar about my case. And this was a word from God that he had, okay, was to go to Caesar. So he goes to Caesar, stands before him, this whole thing. Caesar goes like, I don't have anything for you either. But, you know, Paul basically shares the whole gospel with Caesar himself and all of his advisors that are sitting around and says, listen, you know the truth of God's word because Paul was totally unafraid, like what Dylan was saying. He was just, like, unafraid to go in front of these guys because he knew what happened in his heart. He knew there was a reality that had shifted, and nothing would hold him back. He went through, stood in front of Caesar, and if you say one word wrong in front of Caesar, it's done. But he goes, and he argues with Caesar and says, you know the truth. The beliefs and the traditions of the Jewish people and you know that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of them. And I am here to tell you this is the whole thing. He goes through this whole spiel, and Caesar himself goes, So you think you can stand here and in moments convince me to be a Christian? And Paul says, I can't convince you of anything, but now you know. And it's like, You're an idiot, Paul. Like he was but but not like in the same time, like you're like, this guy was so bold and so full and so entrenched in the shadow of in the shelter of the Most High God. He was like, I'm living here. And claiming the promise of Psalm 91 is like, hey, bring it. I'm in jail. This doesn't look good, but guess what? I'm covered. So were his circumstances perfect? No. Was he covered? Absolutely. So then it goes on that Caesar was like, I don't know what to do with this guy. We're just going to send him off on a boat across the Mediterranean Sea. So he gets on this boat and he goes and they transfer him with all this and whole thing. And this whole thing comes up, he gets on this boat and there's been like really bad seas and all this, like, like it was bad storms and all this kind of stuff. And Paul says this to the captain of the ship. He says right here, men, I can see that your voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and the cargo and to our own lives also. But he's a prisoner. And the, the guy's like, come on, get out. We're going. We're no, this is not a good port. We don't want to stay here. We need to get across the thing. So we're going, okay? They get out and away, and Paul told them not to, but they did. And for 14 days, they fought a storm. Not like hours. 14 days. And it actually says in here later, I don't have time to read all of it, that none of the sailors ate for 14 days because they were fighting a storm, pulling in sails, like just in total distress for 14 days. I assume they drank what splashed in their face. Like, I don't know, but it says right there, they ate nothing for 14 days while keeping a ship afloat in massive storms for two weeks. How many of you have ever been hungry? No, you have not. No, I would submit you have not been hungry. So Paul is in the middle of this. He, too, is not eating for 14 days because they used the prisoners to do the hard work. So in all of this, he's like in this whole thing, and then it goes on, and a little later he says, men, you should have taken my advice and not sailed to Crete. I think they knew this by now. okay? But he said it anyway. And then you would have spared yourselves and damage and loss. But I now urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all that sail with you. So keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will not happen. Or that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some kind of island. He said, the, the ship's going to be a loss. But God told me, everyone sailing with me is now under this protection. What is it? But I'm, but I'm pumped. I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I'll be really. Okay, guys. This is what we're going to get the peeky of, all right? Does this make sense? So they're in this crazy storm for 14 days, and Paul goes, here's the deal. This is what's going on. And then a little while later, he says, Paul um, said to the centurion who was in charge of all the soldiers on the boat, he said, unless these men, oh, because the, all the men start, like, pretending, it says, to put down um, anchors for the boat, but actually they were putting down life.'" like, lifeboats so they could escape and, like, get away from the ship because they're like, the boat's going to crash. You want us to stay on it? Like, so they were, like, sneaking away. And Paul goes, um, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes, and they help, they let the lifeboat fall away. So they start listening to this prisoner guy, Paul, right? They don't know who he is. He's just arrested, you know? And he starts going, like, no, those guys are trying to sneak out. Hello, hello, hello. He's, like, tattletale guy, Right. And they're all going like, shut up, man. We're about out of here. And he's like, no. And then, so they're all like, oh, my gosh. So they cut the ropes. The lifeboats go away. This whole crazy, is this a good day? No. Bit, really bad two weeks. I would like to, like, call this whole thing, like, the Apostle Paul and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Week, month, whatever you want to call it. This is, like, bad after bad after bad. So eventually, here's what happens. They come in. They crash into this island called Malta. Right, and there's these indigenous people that live there. Right, and they crash, and these people bring them in, and they're kind of like, "So what's going on?" And they make, they were nice to them, which is cool. Right, they invited them in, and they built a fire, and Paul goes over to get more firewood. This is so cool. This is awesome. Right, goes to get more firewood, so he picks up a big bundle of wood, throws it down on the fire, but the heat of the fire drives out a viper, and it goes, straps on his hand. Okay, and it says all the villagers, because they knew what kind of snake this was. Looked at it and saw the viper hanging from his hands. I picture Paul going, uh oh. These were real people, right? He's like, oh no, right? But they look at him and they just kind of watch. They're kind of like, he's dead. And it says they were waiting for him to just drop dead instantly because that was what would happen. And then they saw, and it says after a long while, they were still observing that there were no effects on Paul whatsoever. So then they started worship, worshiping him as a god. How many of you want to do that for a day? Be like, you know, right? Like this whole island and tribe were like, we're like, he must be a god because that viper would have killed anybody. So they start worshiping him as a god and then he kind of goes, hey, hold on. I am here representing the great and almighty God whose shelter I am under. Do you get this? I'm under a shelter and God preserved me through this whole storm, the shipwreck, the whole crazy, really bad, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, right? Right? And now the viper, and the people are like, whoa, that's crazy. So then the chief of the whole village invites him over for dinner and goes like, there's something special about you. I don't know what's going on. Well, as he's having dinner, he finds out this chief guy's father is suffering in the other room with dysentery. You no, know that is, that is? That's the squirts. Yeah, yeah, suffering is a fever and dysentery in the other room. And he goes, oh, you know, can I go in and see him and... You know, the guy's like, sure. So Paul goes in and it says, after some time of prayer, he went and laid his hands on the Father and healed him. That's pretty cool, right? So Paul has ended up in a really bad circumstance, day after day after day, like, are you kidding me? He's a prisoner, first of all, arrested unjustly, thrown on a ship, run through a storm, 14 days with no food, crashes the ship, gets bit by a viper, gets all this whole thing, and and all in this whole thing ends up with the opportunity to heal and clearly deliver the entire gospel, the truth of the love of God to an entire island he would have never visited otherwise. And it goes on to say that for the next several months, as Paul was there, or weeks or months, I forget exactly, but for the next bit of time, people from all over the island and nearby islands flooded to this island, and it says Paul healed every single one that came. You don't believe that the gospel was delivered to an entire island, to an uh, an entire people group that Paul would have never visited? He was like, in prison, crap, 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 glory of God. Do you get how that looks for your own life? That's the promise of Psalm 91. It's like, God doesn't say, I will totally evaporate all disease, I will evaporate the arrows, I'll evaporate the attacks, I'll uh, evaporate all the all the crap of life that that surrounds and happens, but you will be protected in the shadow of the Most High if you dwell in the shelter of the Most High. That's the promise of God is draw near to me. Stay right here. Follow me. Follow my ways. God is not an angry, like, dictator. We say this all the time here. He's a loving father that looks at his children and says, don't play with the stove. Don't run in the street. It's, like, Dad, you're such a bummer, man. You're like no fun. It's like, no, he wants you to live really well. So what it means to live in the shelter of the most high God is to press in and go, God, lead my life. Show me how to live. Show me how to behave, how to talk, how to speak, how to relate to people, how to love well. And this is a loving and faithful God who's promised us like 5,000 years ago in this this psalm that as you dwell in that place and say, God, you are my shelter. You've got me. You're my covering. I'm not on this thing solo. He will protect and guard every part of your life. And 10,000 may fall to your one side and 1,000 on your other side. But you will just see it with your eyes. But you will be guarded and protected. And what that looks like and how that all plays out in your specific life, I can't give you the details. But in the storm, in the crazy, in the imprisonment, when you feel like you're trapped, stuck, not doing it, stay in the shelter of the Most High and watch God move your life and orchestrate you through the craziness and ultimately see the glory. And you just see Paul gets freed and all this kind of stuff. He actually gets this crazy. They finally get to the other side, and he ends up getting, like, a private, because he was still imprisoned for some reason. Nobody had figured out, like, this guy's okay. But anyway, he's still imprisoned after all of this, and they get to the next port finally after they get a new ship from these wonderful people, and they sail. And they're like, hey, Paul, you get to get, like, private residence with one guard that's just going to take care of you. And what happens then where he's there? All the believers and people wondering and curious is this Jesus guy for real start flocking to the house where he's staying and the guard is in charge and they're like, oh my gosh, more of them, right? Like I assume the guard had to have got saved at this point. I don't know. You don't hang out with this guy this long and not figure out that there's something radically awesome happening in this guy's life and go, there's, that's what I want. But people start flocking to Paul and going, teach us, tell us. We haven't even heard because these were parts of the world that had never heard what Jesus did yet. They it started hearing about this Paul guy, like, what? He's bringing this different message. And they come, and they flocked in day after day after day. And Paul shared the truth of God's love, the promise of the shelter of God over our lives. And, I, guys, there's such a powerful reality in that. And I'm a testament to that. I should be dead, broke, sick, destroyed a billion times over if not for. The goodness of God over my life as I have pressed in and, you know, like in my imperfection, I'm not even like, oh, holy Pastor Ben, right? You guys, Tyler, I'm not perfect, okay? Right? Seriously, in all of that, I can see that God's faithfulness has always been there. When the bills don't look like they're going to get paid and there's, you know, I have never had God let me down. Stuff has happened that I'm looking and going, God, what are you doing? And I look back and I go, oh, my gosh, he's really smart, all along, you put me in this crazy situation that was so perfect. And I believe that's the promise of God for every one of you. He doesn't say nothing's going to happen. He says, I've got you. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.